It is 8.13 already here on a Wednesday, the 21st of February. Another mild day in store. We're looking for mid-40s for a high. Already 30 at the airport downtown and in Superior in the winter that never was. And uh, Neil Atkins joins us being a Wednesday. Hi, winter Neil. that could be, that won't be. Yeah. Well, wait until... March and April when it roars in well, yeah. like the devil. It's not like we're out of the woods yet. No. But we all uh, we all know about those back to back blizzards and in April and March and oh, I mean I mean I got times uh, Matt Baumgartner is here with yes. us from the Duluth Chamber, but Hi, good morning Matt. guys. Matt, you remember some of those times. I mean when okay, the year that uh the Boston bombing occurred. Mm. Uh, horrible, tragic situation. I was out in New York for a New York City for a meeting, and uh, I was staying at a hotel right on Central Park there, and looking over Central Park, and all the blossoms were in bloom, and it was green, it was wonderful. <laughs> and the day, and this is in April, and this is the day I left here, and another colleague of mine was going. We got on the plane as we were going on. There were some sprinkles, This and they were still fixing the airport there remember the yep. the ramps were kind of exposed and all that jazz mm. so there's some snow coming down so we get out there and i think we got almost 20 inches that weekend here <laughs> so uh my, it can happen i yes. I, I sent pictures to my uh, uh my administrative assistant to show her what mm-hmm. central park looked like and the expletive deleteds that were sent back <laughs> to me were unbelievable wow. <laughs> i remember the first uh, winter that we lived in our uh, current home out, out in Lakeside um, was the winter of 2012-2013 and that was the April when we had 56 inches of snow. <laughs> and so I keep uh, waiting for the other shoe to drop, yeah. but uh, Dave and I were talking, neither of us has had our snowblower out yet. So. Yeah. I, yeah. Did, I, I did uh, twice. Once I did the whole mm-hmm. driveway and then the second time I was uh, uh, putzing around and all of a sudden the cable broke <coughs> to the auger. Oh. And so I had to go and I went and bought a new cable and it hasn't snowed since <laughs> and I haven't had to use it. Wow. I haven't even put it on yet so I'm just going, maybe maybe uh, this summer I'll put it on and polish it up that's or right. something. Yeah. So You'll be ready when it does snow. That's it, right. It that's will right. We'll at some point. So oh, I've got my old backup one uh, that's got to be 20 some years old and <laughs> what's interesting, you buy the new stuff today mm-hmm. and uh, things you know, simple things like cables mm-hmm. break on it and that sort of thing. I got this 20 or 20 plus mm-hmm. year old one I've had for uh, not since it was new, but uh, it was a refurbished one. Nothing ever broke on it. Yeah, right. And my uh, son took my old Montgomery Ward snowblower ooh. and is still using it after uh-huh. all these years. Montgomery Wards. Yeah, that's, a, that's an oldie but a goodie. That's. Uh, did you buy it up at the mall? I did. Yeah, you did. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they were up there, where the Ford dealership yeah. yep. is now. Oh, right. Well, we've got Matt here to talk about yes. some great things with, with, with the city and the chamber. And if people want to call in, the number is seven two two zero eight three nine two one eight two one eight seven two two zero eight three nine. The Duluth uh, area chamber is not Democrat or Republican. No. They open their arms to everybody. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, even even some nonprofits too. I mean, if you write a check, you'll you'll take it, right? We have uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> we believe in. Uh, uh, the market, and we believe in consumerism, but we do have uh, right of trade with chambers of commerce. So if you want to join a chamber, uh, we do not discriminate. Um, yet we are the voice of business, and we're excited about the direction we've gone uh, the last three years, uh, getting more involved in advocacy for our small businesses, 
um, at the local, state, and federal level. And we've been excited about some of the things that have recently transpired. We're excited about some of the new, uh, newly elected officials and uh, even some of the votes that have been taken recently to advance some large developments, which desperately are needed for tax-based growth uh, and for housing. So we're, we're excited about some things. Well, we got a big one potentially that's going to happen on top of the hill up yep. here where Central High School used to be. And it took it took forever mm-hmm. for the school district to finally get something going there. Yep. Controversy. and There's always controversy. There's always controversy. There. There's <laughs> always drama. Uh, but that property had sat vacant for 13 years. I graduated mm-hmm. from up there, so I have many fond memories um, from, you know, over 20 years ago now, but many fond memories. And it had never been on the tax rolls in 55 right. years. Um, and so finally to get it sold, $8 million, um, to a developer, Lazar Ostriker, who's got a, a track record of doing uh, large developments. They're a family firm. Um, they're in the area. They own the ND. They own Kenwood Villages. Uh, and it's a half a billion dollar project that they proposed up there. 1,300 units of housing. Uh, market rate, luxury, um, workforce housing. Uh, phase one um, does not include an affordable component, um, but we believe we need housing across all different types, which means we need housing for workforce, market rate, and high end. Um, and that first pro- uh, the first phase will also include child care, which is a good thing because each of the child care centers here has a waiting list of at least 13 families. Oh, my goodness. Which has kept people from working. Yeah, yeah. We hear it especially, I've said it before on the show, at the 148th Fighter Wing, um, there are many uh, partners of uh, servicemen and women who are looking to work, but they can't find child care. So that first phase will be market rate and high end with child care included. Um, and then the next two phases uh, will include... Um, some workforce housing, potentially some affordable uh, housing, depending on some of the uh, wow. uh, su- uh, support that's given to it. But 1,300 units of housing um, and Over 500 million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a timeline on this, Matt? When are they yeah, expecting so they, to start? Yeah, yeah, they'd like to break ground as early as uh, this summer, and it would run uh, construction would uh, be about five to seven years. Okay. Um, the first phase is the most risky. Um, if you've done development or if you're in financial markets, that first phase is the most risky because they need to make sure they get some cash flowing properties up there. Mm-hmm. So there's TIF included in that. Uh, they have to get uh, infrastructure and utilities. Um, and people have asked me, well, it was a school up there before. Don't you have the infrastructure and utilities? Mm-hmm. You do, but not for residential. Ah. Um, and, and so that TIF is provided for that first phase. Um, and what I also tell people is that TIF does not expose the city or the county or anybody to risk because it's pay-as-you-go. And so it's just offered as a a subsidy to that project. It gets paid back over time. Um, And for other people who uh, question TIF, uh, what I remind people, because they say, oh, it's a corporate handout. Well, it's part of the deal flow now. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, for those projects to pencil out, meaning for them to make sense, uh, TIF has to be a part of it to... Um, take care of some of that upfront risk. Neil, you probably remember when there used to be a different deal that was done that was an 80-20 on infrastructure to take away some of that front-end risk. And the city did away with that, I don't know, 20 years ago, and and TIF has become more of the tool that gets used. Well, TIF, there used to be, uh, before TIF, there used to be like industrial revenue bonds and different type of revenue bonds that would come out. And uh, generally, most of those, uh, if you do... Uh, there's housing bonds that would be municipal bonds, and a lot of communities down in the Twin Cities areas have used housing bonds, mm-hmm. and uh, they probably have up here too. They, the feds did away with industrial revenue bonds. So if we were going to do a, a big industrial project, I think one of the last ones that we used for industrial revenue bonds was when the paper mill out in West Duluth was done. Sure. Yep. 
and then they did they they refurbished the big power plant out there and uh, did all the uh, environmental scrubbers because it was coal-fired to scrub out the particulates and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, those were industrial revenue bonds were used. Originally, when tax increment financing, or TIF, was set up, it was uh, set up to create, uh, they had this but-for test. So basically what, what it was is, do they have the money to go and do the project? If they don't have the money to do the project and we really need the project to get done, then we can assist them. And instead of them paying the taxes to the uh, to the county, the city, and the school district, their taxes go to pay out the bonds that are issued, the tax increment bonds. Originally, the thought on tax increment was uh, a tool to create jobs, permanent mm -hmm. jobs, and more industrial projects. Mm -hmm. Since then, uh, cities, Duluth especially, and others have utilized TIF in other ways. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, in Canal Park, there were some hotels. Yep that received tax increment financing, which was very controversial at the time. So, but they... My one former of them, employer. Yep, <laughs> one of them got it. Then all of a sudden, everybody wanted yep. it. And yeah. uh, and so they, they went ahead and did that. But the original, the first area that was in a tax increment financing uh, area was out in, in the West End area where the big truck stop was uh, uh, done off of uh, up by Carlton Avenue and by Third Street, there be it would have been east of uh, Wade Stadium. Yep, it was a big truck stop that uh, was there. Homes were taken. In fact, I had a my mom's cousin. Their home was taken to do this big development. They thought it was going to be a great development. It's still there. It morphed into a whole bunch of other things, but uh, that's one of them. And that's off the rolls now, mm -hmm. so that pays taxes now. Mm -hmm. But it, it was it is controversial, and some people um, at times it can be controversial. But it, I guess if you desperately need housing mm -hmm. and you need a big project like this or other projects, you know what do you do to get it going? Because everybody's screaming this last campaign, yep. from the mayors to the city councilors to the folks running for dog catcher. Ooh, they is were that still screaming. an elected that's position. A, there, that's there, a very there, contested election. <laughs> yeah, they were they were screaming for. Housing. Yep. Some advocates is always affordable or uh, affordable housing, low income housing, low income housing, but you need it all. You do. Mm -hmm. And uh, the thing that's interesting about when you talk to some of the relatives and uh, and and let's say developer people that own apartments or whatever, to provide a good quality housing allows people who said, I'm tired of cutting the grass, yep. I don't want to monkey with the house and fix it anymore, I'm going to finally put my house on the market. Mm -hmm. And right now there's a lack of uh, houses on the market mm -hmm. because there's nowhere for people to move to. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe these types of uh, apartments wow. will help in doing that. I'll give you like a, quick... a trickle-down theory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, well, I'll give you a quick uh, story about that. So the, the Bluestone project that Mark Lambert did, mm -hmm. um, and it's an incredible project, and, and if you recall that one, that one was a poll by the neighborhood because they said this is going to be a freeway coming through here. It's going to be too much traffic. Well, if you drive through there now, um, it is so well designed and I remember growing up, it, I don't think that road is any busier than it ever has been. But you've got this incredible development that's created incredible tax growth um, and the view was the final of the Bluestone housing developments and that's high end. Um, and I talked to the developer Mark Lambert right when we were up there to celebrate it opening and I said, so how's your occupancy? We've got a waiting list, 100% full. Yep. I said, what, what uh, zip codes are they coming from? Are they coming from this area, down in the Twin Cities, or what? He said, no, all this area. And the, the, uh, the 
primary um, tenant is somebody who uh, is of retiree age and had been trying to offload their property and move into something where they didn't have the roof, didn't have the siding, didn't have the grass, um, and it opened up a whole bunch of housing stock. And so that movement within the market is so desperately needed right now. And in addition to that, housing still is, um, even for people who want to debate me on it, I'm glad to have the conversation. Housing still is a basic supply and demand economic game. You have to have enough supply to meet the demand if you want that price pressure to come down. Well, the other thing is, you know, we're constantly trying to attract uh, businesses, Mm -hmm. industrial development, uh, Mm -hmm. companies coming here to... Mm -hmm. To build a foundry or factory, yep. or or maybe Amazon, uh, a, a small <laughs> warehouse, a small yeah. distribution center. Believe me, they're not going to have fifteen hundred employees. No, out there. eighteen, eighteen, Eight, eighteen employees. Yep. Yeah, full-time. so it's a smaller uh, distribution center. Yeah. But uh, developer, if if somebody's looking at an area to come in and build uh, a manufacturing facility. Uh, they're looking at if they have to bring people in. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the problems. Remember when AAR was here? I do. They're the company that did the refurbishing Airbus aircraft, yep. and uh, they had they had to recruit people from all over the country to come here mm-hmm. because there wasn't the talent here. They hadn't set up yet at Lake Superior College to train people, and they had a real problem. I talked to some of the guys. They go, "Well, we're in extended stay." hotels because there's no apartments available for us and that was one of the things that companies look at if there's no place for our employees to live we're not going to locate here we'll go somewhere else 100 percent right that's a part of the pro forma that these firms are doing before coming here and that is in addition to the existing pressure from current employers who are trying to recruit cirrus i talk to the ceo up there all the time he's a wonderful guy sean um they struggle mightily with workforce, and they just can't get enough people, um, and so they're very—they really want workforce housing. That's what they need for the people who are in their manufacturing uh, lines. And then you talk to the hospitals; it's every job from uh, some some of their tech positions all the way up to physicians. They cannot keep people here, and they cannot recruit enough. So, wow. uh, our biggest challenge for economic development, vis-a-vis tax base growth, is population stagnation, and we need population growth. We know people want to move here. We've got that data. And so now we need to build out this housing as quickly as possible. And if you talk to Dr. Herman, uh, we've got about a two to three year window, he predicts, to meet some of those demands from employers or they're going to have to start scaling down, which is the Gentlemen, last thing that we want. We need to take a break. Well, we'll and do Neil that. too. And yeah. we'll be right back after this. Now, Dave Strandberg, Neil Atkins, back to the KDAL Morning Show. We're heading down to the boondocks. Are you claiming that this is the boondocks? I wonder, where is the boondocks in Duluth? It's a good question. I'm not sure if there is a boondocks. The boondocks used to be a restaurant and bar (laughs) up in Forbes. (laughs) Oh, there you go. uh, Off 53. It was an old school that they converted, and they ended up having to to close. They couldn't maintain regular business outside of snowmobile season and fishing season. You know, Speaking of which, there is no snowmobile season anymore around here, it seems like. It's pretty, pretty. I've got some friends of mine that are leaving Friday. Uh, 20, 26, uh, 26 of them are going out to uh, Yellowstone area wow. with 20, 23 <laughs> sleds. Yeah, They're bringing them a, out there? Yeah, on oh, wow. a semi. And then uh, a couple guys are renting them out there. But yeah. uh, but anyway, they're they're going. They do this every year, and they know there is snow. I said, so I, there is snow out there in the mountains, right. so they're going to be able to do it. But uh, I noticed Wisconsin now is uh, 
declaring a disaster area in northern Wisconsin because of no snow. So some of the businesses that are having problems oh. with uh, no traffic, I guess, because of no snowmobilers, get to uh, get a little help from the government. Oh, that'll be interesting. Yeah, on that. yeah so we'll have to watch how that pans out. Right. Yeah. Because I know up the shore here, a mm-hmm. lot of the Same deal, hotels so. are we're really dependent mm-hmm. this time of year and mm-hmm. hoping their occupancy rates would be higher. Yep. Duluth, uh, maybe it doesn't make, you know, it makes a difference. I know uh, quite a number of people that have yeah. hotel interests in the area. But when you are booking all these events going on through the deck and all that sort of thing in the wintertime, you do, do get a little bit more juice. But I know in the past, if they had... 60% occupancy rates in the wintertime in the hotels, that would be pretty darn good. Yep, yep. And uh, now they always hope to bump that up yeah. a little bit. Bentleyville has been a huge boon for <clears throat> hotels. Um, I mean, we all remember when in the wintertime it was desolate down there unless there was UMD Hockey or the Symphony, and now yep. you get you know the Bentleyville uh, uh, benefit. Um, we don't feel the, the seasonality of winter quite as much here. Um, but boy, some of those uh, retail businesses and things like that up north too that purchase inventory based on what they think is going to be uh, hopefully a normal or traditional winter mm-hmm. yep. are just sitting on inventory now too. I know when um, I, I office up in Two Harbors a couple of days a week and I drive by Sanju and they got a whole line of <laughs> sleds out there oh, yeah. and it didn't seem to be, I, I don't know how their sales went this year, but now they, then they have ATVs too. But, uh, you know, I'm sure next year will be the year. Or maybe in... Uh, well, that's the other part of it, is some of the things get purchased in advance, anticipating a normal yeah. season. And so then you have the lag on inventory, and then you don't have as much um, demand into that next season because people didn't get to use their brand new toy. Right. Um, so I, I think we'll still feel some of the uh, ramifications of it. But the one thing that... Um, I'm trying to hold as a light at the end of the tunnel for our hospitality and tourism uh, industry here and up the shore and up on the range is if uh, if it does turn into uh, a mild spring and summer starts a little bit earlier, a lot of these same businesses that are reliant upon uh, winter traffic rely on summer traffic, and maybe they can catch it on the other side. So, Matt, how's uh, how's it feeling? There's a new regime in charge at City Hall. Mm -hmm. Uh, new attitude towards business and economic development? Uh, it certainly feels that way. Um, you I know, know he's only been in two I, well, months. That, so well, that's what yeah. the one thing I was going to say. Um, so I, I talked to Roger quite a bit, just as I did with uh, Emily, and I respect anybody who's in public office right now because it's a tough game. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the tough things for Roger right now is that he had name recognition coming in. Mm-hmm. He had been a representative, a counselor, he had been a state senator, and so uh, I don't think he gets quite the runway of starting and people giving you a little bit of space to get started where there's just expectations right away Um, and he still needs to fill you know his kind of kitchen cabinet at city hall and implement things and so um he's he's i I don't even know if he's uh 100 days in maybe um and so uh well no he's maybe maybe, yeah Yeah. maybe (laughs) maybe 45 days in and so um uh, what, but what there has been when you're a leader is you can set a tone on day one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that tone has been set that, uh, you know, Roger has talked to developers and the business community saying what I want to establish is, uh, as my tone is I want to ask you what you need and do everything that I can do to help you be successful because I know that if your business is successful, is your, if your firm is successful, if your registers are ringing, that's good for the city because then uh, we have that revenue uh, to, to provide the core services that, that take up most of our budget, fire, police, 
snow removal, although this year there hasn't been the need for right. much snow removal. But all of those things that the city is supposed to do, if business is successful, we can be successful providing those services. Well, we'll see. I know they've got their legislative... Uh, mm-hmm. we're, I talked to Eric Forsman the other day, mm-hmm. out-large city councilor, and yep. in another week or two we're going to get him on, talk a little bit uh, about legislative priorities. Yep. There is going to be a smaller bonding uh, mm-hmm. bill this year for the state Well, it's funny. It's, it feels like a smaller bonding bill, but but, it's not. but historically it's, uh, it's still a big bonding yep. bill. We're just, yep. you know, we uh, we seem to forget the past so quickly, but this year it is... Uh, you know, it's it's going to be less than a billion dollars, but they're looking at uh, probably around seven to nine hundred million dollars of bonding projects, yeah. which anything over half a billion dollars used to be huge. Um, but there weren't a lot of local projects that were uh, um, pegged right away to get to receive those bonding funds. So it's going to be incredibly uh, competitive. I think the asks right now are at like seven billion, and they've got less than a billion to dole out. Oh yeah, there's uh, which some. which you know, there's gamesmanship to that, but. But the, a couple of the top priorities are important ones. The the Lakewood Water Treatment Facility, um, the area lift bridge, those are important things to get funded. Uh, and then uh, Lot D, which, I mean, you know all the history better than anybody. And Dave, you know all the history. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lot D, ever since Gino um, kind of left that area, has been an area that's needed um, work. And it's it, But it's another one that is expensive on the front end because that concrete slab that Gino had there, it is <laughs> taller than any of us stand. Yeah, you know, wow. I'm not tall, but it's huge, yeah. huge, huge, and it goes very, very deep because they had to uh, kind of stabilize that ground. And so all of that remediation needs to take place on the front end, which is ris- risky to a developer. So uh, the city has requested uh, some bonding funds for that, $10.8 million. Uh, they would match that 100%, so the city be on the hook for uh, the other $10.8, million, to get that project started, those are the top three requests. So they can't use that base? They have to remove all that concrete? Yeah. Is that, they yeah. can't use that base or something? Is yeah. it deteriorated that bad? Or well, what? I am not an engineer. Yeah. Uh, I'll preface it with that. <laughs> sure. Uh, business, finance, you know, get back more in my wheelhouse. But um, uh, as far as that uh, site and the studies that have been done on it, they can't use that. I don't know if it's because it's different than the previous uh, more industrial usage of it. And this is going to be uh, uh, more uh, housing, retail, uh, things like that. They need different roadways in there. Um, the other thing that's going to be on there, which is super interesting, is the hope is to have the Large Lakes Observatory from UMDB down there. Hmm. Um, and we have the greatest of the Great Lakes, uh, but we have the uh, Large Lakes Observatory that's in the worst condition of any of the universities that have these observatories. Oh, boy. Um, and so... Uh, the the university um, would be uh, paying for that uh, there, but it would be another part of this massive site. That's the thing that people don't realize. Yeah. You kind of see these aerial views. You don't realize how big Lot D is. Um, so that's tell the, everybody exactly where Lot D is. So if uh, you've been to the wonderful Pier B development yep. where Silo's Restaurant is, yep. if you go west of that, uh, that would be where Lot D is. Okay. And that so would be in the... Between that, between Pier B and Super, the old Superwood, where... Where, Compass uh, Minerals, yeah, yep, yeah. yep. And, uh, and so that would also be um, what has been defined as the unofficial dividing line between the um, hospitality, tourism, and leisure economy and the working waterfront. And so um, the industrial usage, uh, Deb DeLuca from the port, they're, they're in support of it because it's a nice butt, uh, butt end there. Um, and yet it's been a site that has sat forever that we would love to get tax revenue out of. And so... Uh, Roger's idea, uh, Mayor Reinert, is that we would bond for uh, the front-end needs of that site, 
um, and get that uh, construction going. So those are the top three requests. In addition to that, uh, important to the chamber is the 148th fighter wing. We continue mm -hmm. to have that as a top priority. Um, we've talked about that on this show. I won't spend our limited time going into that, but that's a top priority of ours. And then it's also going to be a, a big year of policy work because uh, uh, the the of last year being such a big uh, year around spending and policy and things like that. Uh, it's a policy year where we're hoping to get um, some policy through that makes it easier on uh, development, zoning changes statewide, um, uh, that would benefit this area greatly where we struggle with uh, any development that comes before planning commission or council, people seem to want to fight it. And on the other, out, out of the other side of the mouth, they're saying, we want housing, we want housing, yeah. but we don't want any housing that's going to be anywhere near us. Right. And so there are some state changes uh, and some uh, tax things that we're hoping to get changed that would benefit projects like Cirrus. Um, and the airport, uh, the air traffic control tower. I, I don't want to forget that one. And that one is a, a new critical, one yeah. critical need. Um, Tom Warner's done a fantastic job up there, but we have the oldest air traffic control tower, um, I, I believe, in the country. I mean, something crazy like that. And so we need it to was, get that. What, built in the 50s or something yeah. like yep, that? Yep, yeah. Yep. So we need to get that uh, uh, up to speed. So those are some of the top priorities. Uh, Eric will be able to come on and t give a status update yeah. because we're, you know, just a few days into the session. So. Sure. When is your big lobbying effort? Uh, Thank you for up? asking, Dave. March 6th and 7th. Okay, so yep. that's coming up. you yep. got time to sign up yet? If people got time to sign yet? up. Um, we will be down there uh, lobbying. Uh, we'll be down. Th we've, we've, it's a wonderful event to attend. There's a lot of fun that's had, but uh, we've been very intentional the last three years to make that about legislative advocacy for Duluth and St. Louis County right. um, and trying to get policy that benefits our area and uh, money that benefits our area. Well, when I was on the council, we'd go down, a bunch of us would go down for that event and stay a, a, a day or two, and mm -hmm. then they'd have a big, oh, like a, like a, a big uh, kind of a mini convention hall area where you had all the booths set up for all the, uh, whether it be political entities, businesses, yep. or developers in, yep. in the St. Louis County area and uh, down there. And then the legislators would come and kick the tires and look at us. In the past... We used to be able to host that event up here, and then the state legislator changed mm -hmm. the law, claiming uh, that we were bribing them mm -hmm. <laughs> to come up here, and we were we were giving them frivolous mm -hmm. things to uh, vote our way, and so then they make everybody come down there. So, so now we we bribe them down there with our wonderful restaurants who come down and help cater the event. That's what Ooh, I, yeah. nice. uh, Carol Valentini's been a, a mainstay. The grandma's folks have been a mainstay. Uh, the Duluth Grill folks have been a mainstay. Mm -hmm. UMD Catering is down there. Um, so we bribe them with our food down there. We bring it down there to them. Uh, We're feeding uh, them. We're not bribing them. We, the we, food is so <laughs> good. Yeah, they, it feels like a, a little something. Yeah. A little All right, something. 844, we got to take another break. We on don't the morning bribe show them. From KDAO. The KDAO Morning Show. Tommy James with the Shondells. I think we're alone now. I certainly hope not. We got uh, we got a guest in the studio actually yes, with Matt Baumgartner here, yeah. and lots of folks listening too. Yeah, and you're you invited know. to call if you've got any questions. By the way, two one eight seven two two zero eight three nine. Yes, for those of you that think we don't give that number out enough, we we will. <laughs> and uh, it is on the website too. By the way, it, it says is, studio it line is. right underneath. That's what it is. That's but, where yeah, we are. That's our main line. All you right. know, we used to have a different number over at WDSM. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the KDL number. Right. 
Bad you know, night. back when I used to listen on 710, I thought you guys gave out that number too much. We, we gave it out all the time. So I'm on the other side of it. Yeah. See, that station, we generated a lot of people calling in. And yeah. here, uh, the format uh, wasn't really so much call-in here, except, yeah. you know, you'd have guests and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So now we're, we're, we're doing the more of the call-in, plus bringing guests in. So it's more of a kind of a roundabout type of type of show, a little bit, a little bit different than what we did on WDSM. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, KDL is the station that... When snowstorms happen, school closings happen, any type of newsworthiness, people gravitate towards KDL radio, and mm-hmm. so there's a bigger demographic, and and so we try to we try to fit that mold. Mm-hmm. So we were talking a little bit, Dave, uh, off off the cuff here when you were doing all the commercials yeah. and all that, all jazz. the important stuff, Dave. all the important <laughs> stuff to generate <laughs> revenue, right? The uh, the old pay, the paper mill out in West oh, Duluth. Yeah, yeah. Is uh, under new ownership now by an Italian company. Yeah, Sofidel. And they, uh, and of course, Sofidel. You look at it and you see some of their product out there because they, they make uh, the uh, uh, certainly they make toilet toilet paper and a whole bunch of other really uh, uh, cleanup papers. The little paper that you just wipe up here. You know, you see the ads yep. for Brani and all that jazz, mm-hmm. and yep. and a whole bunch of other papers. And uh, so they're refurbishing. Uh, the facility there, and uh, apparently it, it sounded like they were going to bring more jobs to the area. That's a good thing. The newsprint and magazine paper is probably going out now since there are less newspapers and less magazines, but we're always going to need toilet paper. So. Well, that's right, and that was one of the things that yeah. uh, uh, that Verso provided was some of that high-end yeah. quality paper for print, which is, you know... Um, mm. uh, Still important to people like us who read yeah. print, um, but <laughs> on uh, the way, uh, yeah, the demand, down, yeah, 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 certainly isn't there anymore. So the hope is that they're bringing jobs here. That's what they've committed to doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing uh, that was clear in the conversations that I've had is the ramifications to the entire supply chain that benefits northeastern Minnesota. So we have, uh, you know, timber. Uh, we have logging, and the more demand that the mill has, the better for industries like that. So uh, if it's 80 jobs that are created at the mill, you could see double that throughout the supply chain. Oh, right. um, and, and we're always looking for job creation. Neil and I were talking about that uh, while Dave was uh, generating revenue here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so often um, we kind of talk about development in the shape of the mixed-use development that's become so prevalent where you put you stack housing mm-hmm. on top of retail. Um, but we need uh, jobs like that are provided at the paper mill. We continue to want to see Cirrus grow, um, and that's what uh, their intentions are with the Innovation Center. Um, they would love to add 200 jobs to their workforce. Uh, we think with the medical district and the investments that have happened there, mm-hmm. uh, we would be a wonderful location for a medical device manufacturer. And now knowing that the University of Minnesota's medical school, which has the Duluth campus, wants to expand and grow here, now you've got, uh, you can see that becoming verticalized where you've got people coming to school here, there's research being done here, you've got a huge hospital district, now let's get a for-profit medical device manufacturer here. Uh, So when all of those things get pro forma, the one thing that I'll circle back to that Neil mentioned is you've got to have the workforce for those plants to be at capacity, otherwise the numbers don't pencil down. And so um, our hope is that through some of the initiatives that are happening right now, uh, we know that there's been this 
goal of getting to 90,000 people since Mariness um, first talked about it. Uh, I think we're going to hear some things in the coming months from Mayor Reinert around uh, growth and population. And if we can get our population to grow in sync with job creation happening here, mm-hmm. it could be a really exciting time for Duluth. And it's the Duluth that we all know yeah. it could be. We've got things you can't recreate with the lake and the shore and uh, the proximity to the outdoors, quality of life. But we need to have population growth and tax-based growth for this area to continue to be the wonderful place that it can. Otherwise, uh, you're on a declining slope uh, because you just can't uh, continue to have property taxes increase to pay for everything. There's got to be tax-based growth. Well, no, that's for sure. That's for sure. And whatever happens in Duluth is good for the area. Amen. Right. uh, The surrounding communities benefit superior benefits mm-hmm. even even though they kind of like to be their own entity over there at well times. It's, it's interesting times over there yeah. uh, my friend taylor does a really nice job with the superior douglas uh, county chamber um but we would love to see them move entec forward i mean that's a billion dollar project mm-hmm. that that's would be the, uh, uh, minnesota power that's group. The, yeah. the minnesota power group and and what it does is helps um with the energy transition mm-hmm. so so people who who Uh, talk about the importance of the energy transition and the need to um, remove ourselves from fossil fuels, need to understand that that plant is a part of the energy transition and a billion dollars for the project and then $1 million annually to Superior and Douglas County in tax revenue. Mm -hmm. So that's where you've seen these really heated um, uh, city council conversations over there uh, with the trades right. uh, showing up in droves, yep, saying we want it. this project. The mayor so, at this point not uh, the mayor's on board. not on board. Yeah. So what's what's the deal with the mayor? Is he stumping to for a bigger statewide office? It, to me, it would seem what he's doing there in creating a stir and rallying some of those little special interest groups uh, that he's looking at something else. Yeah. He certainly he certainly has the trades. Mm-hmm. Uh, up in arms yep. against yeah. what, what what he doesn't want to do. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know. It's perplexing yeah. to it, watch. It is perplexing. And I want to say, first of all, I, I respect Mayor Payne uh, for, his, for, for many different reasons, but I, I want to acknowledge he's a veteran, and I uh, respect the hell out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there have been some things that Mayor Payne has done that I thought were great, but on this one I disagree with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure... He had been in support of this project and then pulled a 180. Yep. And, and, you know, th- he said there was new information that became available. I'm not sure what that new information is because uh-huh. every step of the way, Minnesota Power has moved this forward. Um, so we would like to see NTEC move forward. We yeah. do have a call here real quick. Hi, who's this? Hey, good morning. This is Tom from Port Wayne. Tom What's from up? Over to Tom? Hey, Tom. There. Uh, Tom, this is Matt from the Chamber. I've uh, listened to your calls for many years. <laughs> I'm happy you're calling in. Well, here's my question to you, Matt. You know, the other day, uh, you, well, you guys originally were talking about the snowfall and, and the lack of. And uh, yesterday, our governor came out, and this applies to Wisconsin and Minnesota. You know, he came out and he wants to have all this taxpayer money funneled into uh, these businesses that are seeing a lack of snowfall. Well, I say it's, it's a horse apiece. You know, lack of snow is a good thing for some people, uh, and snow is uh, bad for others. How do you feel about businesses? They should have the flexibility to withstand something like this without the government name coming in. That's my opinion. Matt, I'd like to hear your answer on uh, that particular subject. Thanks, Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Uh, And again, I've appreciated your calls over the years. Always very thoughtful. Uh, well, the, the first thing that I would say um, is I'm going to take your question in two parts. 
the first part that I'll take is whether businesses have uh, the flexibility, the cash reserves to withstand um, a winter like this. Uh, some are fortunate enough to have the cash to withstand a winter like this. Others, quite frankly, don't. Um, and I've, I've spent a lot of time in my career uh, poring over financial statements. And when you've got owner-operated small businesses that are in the retail sector, oftentimes um, they come and go as uh, one abnormal season dictates. So if you if you are operating a business that is solely reliant upon summer traffic and winter traffic and the shoulder seasons you are hurting, then all of a sudden you've purchased product inventory, you've staffed up for a winter, and if it doesn't uh, pan out, your entire livelihood is on the line there. So I, I, I want to be these are wonderful people who commit to the business industry. I'm a pro-business person. So not everybody is able to have uh, that type of uh, latitude. Now, the governor offering to come in and uh, support these different businesses, um, you know, that gets into politics. And so uh, I know that you've got very pro-business people who might not even be supporters of the governor, but support them, uh, support him keeping their business open because it puts food on their table. So it's a tricky issue. It's a great question um, and one that has a pretty nuanced answer. But I appreciate the thoughtfulness. 856 now at KDAO. Be right back. Bon voyage, Matt. Thanks for being on board here, Dave. Oh, thanks for yeah. thanks yep. for being our handler this morning. Oh well, certainly, sure. Matt. Thank you. Appreciate thank you, you stopping you. by. Yep. And we'll catch Neil again on Friday. Yes, sir. We'll be here with bells on our fingers and rings on our toes. And right after news, <laughs> I'll be back with the final portion of the morning show here on KDAO.